Well, if you have your Bibles with you, I would encourage you to open them up to the book of Proverbs. We are going to continue in our study through the book of Proverbs. Before we begin, and as you're turning there or thumbing through or flipping open, uh, just a reminder that as this is the first Sunday of the month, next Sunday will be the second Sunday of the month, and we will be having uh, communion, we'll be uh, receiving of the Lord's table next Sunday. So just be in preparation for that in your heart and in your prayers. Um, and if you need to speak with anyone, happy to hear from you. Love to talk with you about anything that's on your mind. Today we are going to continue, like I said, through Proverbs, and we're, we're going to be in chapter 26, verses 23 through 28. We've covered a, a number of different passages in the book of Proverbs over this summer in our series, um, and there's a lot more to cover than we're going to cover. We're going to move on, on from the book of Proverbs shortly. Um, but as we know, and as we have said before, Proverbs is the book of wisdom for godly living. It's, it's kind of counsel, it's advice, it's here's what happens if this happens, here's what you can expect in life. Not always filled with commands, not always filled with remedies, but sometimes warnings. And today is one of those warning passages that I think is going to help us uh, go through life in, with a little bit more awareness, a little bit more insight. Um, there are bits of practical guidance in Proverbs, which is much of which is related to the tongue, our use of the tongue. We've touched on foolish and wise words. We've touched on anger, especially as anger comes out of the mouth. We've touched on gossip, uh, which is another sin of the tongue. Today we're going to touch on the tongue and the lips and the mouth, but as is often the case with sin, the issue really is of the heart. And I'm calling this sermon today, Hatred in the Heart. Um, why do I pick such hard and challenging passages? I don't know. My wife is very fond of saying, tell me what you're preaching on, so I'm going to figure out what the Lord is going to be showing us this week. And it's, it's been a rough week, I will tell you, and, and a lot of turmoil here, right here in the heart. I'll just confess that to you. So hatred in the heart, let's read from Proverbs chapter 26, verses 23 through 28. It may feel a little bit like some of these verses are off topic, but I'll show you how this is a woven section that contains a, a, a solid mass that we can chew on today. Proverbs 26, verses 23 to 28. Like the glaze covering an earthen vessel are fervent lips with an evil heart. Whoever hates disguises himself with his lips and harbors deceit in his heart. When he speaks graciously, believe him not, for there are seven abominations in his heart. Though his hatred be covered with deception, his wickedness will be exposed in the assembly. Whoever digs a pit will fall into it, and a stone will come back on him who starts it rolling. A lying tongue hates its victims, and a flattering mouth works ruin. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Father, we come to you to read and learn, to have you touch our hearts, to convict and to comfort. I pray that those who need to hear this message as much as I do would take it to heart um, better than I have. And I pray that um, if there are any who are, who are standing afar off and wondering whether this is for them, speak gently, speak words of peace, of 
comfort, but of invitation to consider how this would apply to every heart, every heart in the room. And Lord, I, I, I confess that there's no way that I can do that, but through the power of your spirit, it is easy for you. So speak to each one of us in whatever way you will. We invite you to do this for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I'm talking about hatred in the heart. God is so good that on the way to church today, um, driving from my home to this place, passing through a traffic circle, which is a place of good, good chance for hatred to happen in a traffic circle. Do you call them roundabouts here, traffic circle, um, human automobile tornado, I don't know what you call them, but just as we were going through, we kind of entered the traffic circle, and I think the car in the circle has the right-of-way. Am I mistaken about that? Anyway, someone was entering, and they, they had to slow down for me, and I think they didn't like that, and um, followed me out of the traffic circle, apparently going the same direction I was going. Maybe they were going to church. But uh, in the rearview mirror, they were, like, gesticulating. I don't think this was worship. I think they actually let go of the wheel for one time uh, to wave both hands like And I wasn't really watching in the rearview mirror, but I was just noticing that Whatever I had done, whatever they had been through, uh, my, I was a part of something that was troubling them this morning. And I'm not grateful for the trouble that it caused them, but I am grateful for the opportunity in my own heart to say, you know what, Lord, I'm starting to get upset at that person for waving their arms at me because I think I did nothing wrong, and yet they're mad. Right? I think I was actually following the rules of the road, which I don't always do, but this time I was. What's going on? And, and it, the Lord gave me an opportunity to say, there's something bubbling up inside me that wants to be mad at that person. And I was, you know, I wasn't waving back. I wasn't, you know, making gestures out the window. I wasn't, you know, anything. In reality, I was praying. My wife can testify. I really was praying. And it wasn't one of the imprecatory psalms. I was praying, blessing. I, I said, this person's probably having a bad day. Probably something's going wrong. Maybe they don't understand traffic circles. Lord bless them. going to give them favor. But it just reminded me that it doesn't take much to stir up this anger, hatred, ill feeling in the heart. It, it, it's, there's an opportunity for you to feel that way at every corner, and even if there's no corner, even if it's just a circle, there's, there's always time and opportunity for you to feel something like hatred toward another human being. And I think this passage is talking about that. I think it's, it's actually a warning passage. But if we think about the context of the book of Proverbs, sometimes it's helpful to think about it as Solomon, not all the Proverbs are from Solomon, but, but Solomon, who was a king, speaking to his son, who, as you understand, would be someday a future king, right? So kind of like king talking to future king, this is, a, this is how life works. So be aware of that, kind of putting his arm around his shoulder and saying, son, I want you to be aware that Sometimes things will happen that are like this, and sometimes things that will happen that are like this, and this is how you ought to think about this, and this is how you ought to think about that. Wisdom from God, from a king to the future king, or from a father to a son, or a parent to a child. And I hope you can hear it as words from a pastor, one of your pastors who loves you, who cares about you, doesn't just want to pound on you, doesn't want to say you're a sinner, <laughs> because we're all sinners, and we all need grace. But if we can see this, if we can spot it, if we can be alert to this, I think it will actually help us, help unburden us, help give us clarity, 
and ultimately help bring us peace. That's, that's my desire for bringing it. But, but in the warning passages, we kind of have to go through a hard spot to get on the other side of it, okay? So we're going to look at the passage. We're going to see some of the things about hate and the hater. We're going to see something about the harm that comes from this kind of hatred. And then I want to make sure that we conclude by seeing some of the help that's available for this condition. So that's kind of our outline as we're doing this. So let's start with the hate, hate and the hater. Look, we always love to talk about hate, don't we? We love hate, right? I hate when you do that, Pastor Brad. So the word that we translate uh, into the English from the Hebrew that we get hate occurs about 130 times translated as hate. But sometimes in the Hebrew, it is translated as detest. And that's kind of a little bit more socially acceptable, right? Like you're kind of irritated or you're ticked, but you don't actually hate. You haven't gone all the way to hate, but it's the same word. It just translates differently in context. So I I don't want to let us off the hook too easy saying, well, I don't hate anybody, right? Well, this word that we're using today can mean a lot of different things, and they're all related to stuff in the heart. It can also mean enemy. It's the same word used to translate as enemy. So there's hate, the sort of feeling, and then enemy, the person, right? It can also mean enmity or foes. It can mean someone who's turned against, okay? It can also mean unloved, as in Leah, right? Leah, the wife of Jacob, right? Rachel, he loved, but Leah was hated, right? Not so loved, okay? So a softer English translation, but same word in Hebrew, okay? So this is the idea of what hate kind of is, and as you've probably seen, there are times in Scripture when God hates, okay? And there's things that we're supposed to hate. Proverbs 6, 16 says there are six things that the Lord hates and seven that are an abomination to him. He, he hates idolatry. He hates setting up an idol. Um, he hates things that, are, that he calls an abomination, all right? And throughout Proverbs, there are things that we are called to hate as well. The fear of the Lord is to hate all evil, right? And we're to hate what is evil and to cling to what is good. We see that in the book of Romans. So not all hate in that regard is sinful. So what is hate in this passage? In the context that we're looking at today and how I want us to kind of carry this just for the time that we're we're talking about it is I want us to see hate as an internal sentiment toward an enemy. An internal sentiment toward an enemy. I think this is what Solomon is warning about, warning the future king, warning his son, warning the people and giving us wisdom for godly living. So let's hear this warning. Secondly, I want to talk about the hater of all haters, okay? Because we're talking about an internal sentiment toward an enemy, hate toward another, covered with this deceit, this deceit that's gracious words on top of the hate. That's bad, right? That's what Solomon is saying. Don't, don't, don't just think that someone speaking to you with gracious words is a friend, be, be alert to that. It's like gloss on a, on a pot. It looks like shining on the outside, but inside it's clay, okay? So let's look briefly at the consummate hater, the devil, just to get a little bit of context. Satan is the enemy of God. He's the enemy of God's people. We don't talk about him very much, though we do mention him sometimes in our songs. He is real. He is personal. He's not some vague, dark side of the force, right? He's not some kind of clown in a red suit. He's a true personal being. He's not, you know, the dark side. 
He desires our harm. He wants to erode our assurance. He wants to rob us of joy. He wants to shut down the gospel or the spread of the gospel. Even though he's a defeated foe, and even though he is bound so that he cannot deceive the nations, he continues his, his subtle and yet his blatant skirmishes against God's people. He hates you. He hates me. He hates God. So this, this hateful attitude of the enemy is what drives much of Satan's actions against God's people. So can we take this as a warning that this is serious? This, this, this attitude, this, this perspective, that even as Satan hates God's people and hates God, he uses deception to mask his hatred. And that's really what we're going to be talking about today. He even appears as an angel of light. That looks good, right? Angel, good. Light, good. Must be good, right? No. This is the character of the one spoken of in the proverb. There's hate within, even though there's gracious, flattering words on the lips, Okay. So let's talk about the haters that we're facing that Solomon is warning about. First, there's the haters out there. Okay, the haters out there. Let's talk about the haters. Several verses today talk about the lips, the mouth, the tongue, or speaking. And this is actually contrasting about what's going on in the heart or the inner place. Let's, let's look at verse 25. Verse 25 says, When he speaks graciously, believe him not, for there are seven abominations in his heart. Don't believe this guy this person, they have seven abominations. This, this number seven in scripture is a number that symbolizes perfection, completeness, right? So have you ever been hurt by somebody and say, that guy is a complete jerk? <laughs> that's, that's perfection, all right, right? That's, he's just been a perfect to me, right? That's that seven abominations. The picture is that hater has got a whole lot of trouble going on where? In his heart inside of him, okay? This is a warning for us, for us all, to be aware that people may hate you on the inside. They might be an actual enemy, but they might also use gracious words on top of it, like flattery or like gloss on that pot, like glaze, to cover up what they really feel towards you. This proverb is a warning about the haters out there. They harbor deceit. They have seven abominations. They are wicked. They are working ruin. Solomon's saying, do you see, son? The pot looks shiny, but in the inside, it's clay. It's dirt. It's broken. It's wrong, okay? So have you encountered people like that? I want to ask you, have you encountered people like that who speak graciously to you, but inside they're ready to stab you? Sometimes the hatred comes out, and the, and the proverb that we're reading actually says it eventually will come out. In verse 26, it says, Though his hatred be covered with deception, his wickedness will be exposed in the assembly. So a future king has to be alert to the deception, and we would do well also. We have to remember that not all gracious speech flows from a heart filled with the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible has a lot of examples of deception, right? Of duplicity, of betrayal. I remember, you probably remember Judas's kiss, right? It was a kiss but it was there to deceive or to hide the hatred, the betrayal that was in his heart. It's a legitimate warning for us all, and we should take it to heart. There are haters out there. Beware. Beware that hypocritical hater who says one thing but feels another, treats you like an enemy but speaks like a flatterer, hiding behind those gracious words. But there is another hater in the passage, and that's the hater in here. 
this is where we need to pause and ask some questions. Because I think we can all come up in our mind with that person in the traffic circle who was hating on us and, you know, that person wasn't giving me gracious words, but there's, there was hate going on. And we, we can probably come up with people who we think in the past have treated us with, with enmity or have felt that toward us or maybe even spoken gracious words, but we knew inside that person is an enemy. They're out there. But folks, I think the word for us today is that they're in here too. Let's look. What about you? Have you hated? Have you been that hypocritical hater who uses gracious words like a mask? Have I been at enmity with someone and then given that hatred in me a safe harbor, right? It even uses the word harbor. Verse 24, he harbors deceit in his heart. There's that deceit and that hatred and it's got a safe harbor. It's not being kicked out. It's not being washed away. It's harbored. It's got a place. It's got a a storage closet. Have I kept it in? And have I covered it over? But the words I speak are gracious. I'm smiling. What's wrong with that? Everything's okay, right? Except for what's inside. So is it okay to hate someone? Is it okay ever to hate someone? What if I don't want to give up the hatred that I feel for that person? What if what they did to me was really, really, really bad? Three reallys. Or when does just being irritated with someone become this kind of hatred? What if it's just the seed of hatred and not fully grown yet? Certainly I can harbor that and water it and cultivate it and nourish it and fertilize it. Brad, are you saying it's wrong to be kind, to speak gracious words? I'm glad you asked. Remember, we're not saying that being gracious is wrong. What the passage is saying is beware the gracious words that cover over the deceit, with deceit, the heart of hatred. That's what we're talking about. Harboring that hatred, covering it over with gracious words. That's the warning that Solomon is giving to his son. So am I the one that Solomon is warning his son against? This is what Paul calls in Ephesians, giving an opportunity to the devil. We're supposed to speak the truth with our neighbor, not to cover it over with deceit. We're supposed to be angry, but not sin. This is the point of the passage. And this, I think, is where we have the most to gain as a church. But it's challenging because we're talking about something that is hidden, okay? That's, that's what the passage goes three or four different times. It talks about it's hidden, it's covered, it's down deep, okay? Maybe it's hidden and you haven't even recognized it yet. Gracious words that come from our lips don't always go all the way down into our hearts to change the hidden attitude of hatred. So that's why I want to have us look inside today. I want to invite God to look inside all of us. Because you and I can't really know what's going on in another person's heart. It's hard enough to recognize it in here, okay? And more valuable to us than spotting someone else's hatred, chasing them down or investigating them or being suspicious about them, which really isn't an option in this passage. It doesn't tell you how to discover it. It says it will be exposed, but it doesn't give us the tools to pry into someone else's heart to know what's going on there. We need to grow as followers of Christ and growing in our sensitivity to that hidden hatred inside ourselves. Don't give the same the hatred, a safe harbor. Don't let it fester. Don't keep it turning over in your mind. 
Don't try to cover it up with gracious-sounding lies. There are haters out there, it's true, but there are also haters in here. So if we see Satan as an example of hating, covered with gracious words like the lie in the garden, and we see the other person out there who has been the hater, and we've felt the hurt of it, and then we've seen that there is a hater within in our own hearts, let's look at some of the harms that come from harboring this hatred. First is hypocrisy. You can move that slide forward. Yeah, there we go. The Proverbs that we read today show us the disguise that's put on by the one who hates. So gracious words are like a mask that are supposed to deceive the hearer. Satan was a good example of the hater of all haters, and he masquerades as that angel of light. He looks good on the outside, but on the inside is destruction. So just remember, just think back to the garden, right? And Satan presented himself as though he's really out for the good of Adam and Eve. You know what? Let me just tell you how it really works around here. Give you some inside story, okay? I'm just trying to clarify what God really meant. You know, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, that's going to make you wise. And he's just trying to, he, he doesn't quite have your best interest at heart like I do. Seeing Satan in that way, I think, helps us see the depth of his hatred of God and how he's deceiving with gracious words. This is, what, this is what Solomon's son is being warned against. This is what we're warned against. But if this proverb is about a hypocrite or a liar or a deceiver, it's important to address the idea of being authentic. Now, we, we in the culture, I think mostly younger people, but there's a kind of a value of being authentic. Like if you, if you feel something towards someone, you should say it. You should really not talk about what you're feeling. Just be open about your feelings. And I, I don't think that's what it's encouraging us to do. It's not saying lie. And it's not saying if you feel hatred, you go out and pour out the whole hatred and just shake your fist as long as you feel it. Don't do what you feel. Don't let your feelings be your guide. Look and see, hatred doesn't belong there. So start here, right? This is what it's saying. It's not saying you're being inauthentic if you don't speak your hatred. It's saying, watch, that this doesn't take control of this either, right? We're not just letting this live there and calling it good. We want to deal, do business with it and get rid of it. So just because you're feeling hatred doesn't mean you should avoid being hypocritical by speaking hate. We're always to let our conversation be full of grace, it says in, in Colossians. We're commanded to love our enemies. We're commanded to bless those who persecute us. The hypocrisy that's there in the passage, this hater that's a hypocrite, is the deception of the gracious words that are kind of draped over that hateful heart. So to be clear, hate sometimes is warranted, as we said above, hate all evil, right? We're to hate sin. But gracious speech isn't the problem, it's the hypocrisy of speaking words of favor to a person out of a heart of hatred, playing the role of friend and supporter when you're inwardly an enemy. It's a good warning to a future king. Don't let someone fool you with their words. If they're truly your enemy, you need to know that. Beware, beware. Think of it as the traitor who professes loyalty while plotting to overthrow the king. Verse 28 calls it, a lying tongue hates its victims and a flattering mouth works ruin, ruin. So Solomon's warning his son about those in the court of the king who would fawn over him and applaud his every word. Oh, king, you're doing everything right. We love what you're doing. You're so awesome. While hating him and wishing for his demise. The gracious words are a mask to a hating heart. But even if you or I 
encounter someone who speaks to us graciously while hating us in the hidden places of the heart. Can you see how absurd it is to think that we can fool God with gracious words when our heart is filled with seven abominations? Our gracious words don't fool God. This is another part of the harm of the hatred. It's, it's the hiddenness, the hiddenness. Verse 26 says, hatred is covered with deception, but it's going to be exposed in the assembly. So you and I can't tell, maybe usually we can't tell, if the gracious words we're hearing from us, from someone else, is hiding something. We hope it doesn't happen, but it's hidden. That's the issue. But we can be more confident that if someone who is usually loyal, usually caring for us, and if they bring a challenging word, like Nathan did to the king, right? King, this is what you're doing is not good, right? Or, or Jethro went to Moses. He said, what you're doing is not good, right? That challenging word from someone who's generally loyal, that's, that's good, right? They're not trying to deceive you. And, and we see this really nailed well in Proverbs 27.5. It's another good one to put to memory, all right? Um, it says in the ESV, it says, faithful are the wounds of a friend, but profuse are the kisses of an enemy, a friend will tell you the truth. A friend will lay it out for you. A friend will maybe give you a wound. Maybe, maybe say something that kind of hurts your feelings. Have you ever had that happen from a friend? But they're saying something that's true, and yet an enemy will try to cover it over with kisses. And we think of Judas again. The kiss didn't represent love. It was a deception. So a friend may have to say something that's kind of challenging to you, and I want to encourage you. Take that upon yourself. Go humbly, carefully, kindly, prayerfully, but speak truth to one another in love. It may be a hard word, but that's what a friend will do. Another way to view this is when we, when we harbor hatred or allow it to simmer inside of our hearts, it comes out anyway. It may not come out in direct confrontation, but it appears like other forms of a sinful attitude, like favoritism. I just don't even look at that person anymore. Or shaming, right? An attitude toward that person. Or excluding them, forming a clique that keeps them out. Or the polite rejection, oh no thanks, I'm busy, right? Or maybe gossiping about them, or maybe holding a grudge and just burying that in there. That's, that's all the forms of the harm of hatred, and I'm sure you can think of some others. So it comes out, it is exposed eventually, and not in favorable ways. So part of the harm is the hiddenness. Another harm from hatred is that it's harbored in the heart is we can kind of feel like sometimes like we're hunting, hunting for that hidden enemy. If we don't trust each other to speak the truth in love, we might be suspicious or paranoid or kind of wondering, what did you mean by that? So what it's trying to say is, there's a danger that if, if this kind of thing happens, if you're kissing when you're really hating, it's going to create a suspicion, a skepticism, a mistrust, a doubt about the relationship. Another harm that comes from this hidden hatred covered over by gracious words. And we have to be careful not to become the hate police. I think that's an important thing. Just like a couple weeks ago, we want to be sure not to become the gossip police. We don't want to be cynically keeping our hearts guarded against anyone who might be hiding something. What did you mean by that? And I'm not sure, you're, are you really for me? But it can be hard, especially if we've been hurt by that person in the past. It's just true. It's, a, it's the nature of human relationships. 
And another harm is to himself, to the hater himself. Hate doesn't just harm the other person. It doesn't just bring friction into the assembly. It hurts the hater because you're holding something in that's toxic. You're covering it over with a glaze. Think of those seven abominations, right? This is a serious illness for us. It can really hurt you. It can be a significant offense to our holy God as well, hating another person or a group or a class of people. It hurts everyone, especially the hater. So because this is serious, we need serious help. We don't want it just to be covered over. We don't want to just put a Band-Aid on it. We want it gone. But the passage doesn't give us a remedy. It doesn't give us a solution in the proverb. It just says, watch out. It's just a warning, okay? So with like many proverbs, it says, this is how things are. This is the way the world works. And making use of the proverb, we're supposed to be aware of it. We're supposed to take the warning, but it doesn't tell us what to do. The only command there is in verse 25, and it says, don't believe that person when they speak graciously to you. That's the only command we have in the passage. So I shouldn't be fooled by my own gracious words when there's hatred inside, and I should be aware of the harm to myself. So what can we find for the hidden, hating heart and those that it hurts? Here's the help. We want to heal the hidden hate. Love those H's, don't you? Just can't help it. Oh, I did it again. First, we can acknowledge that this condition of hating especially when it's disguised by gracious words, is in fact hidden. It's important that we acknowledge that it's deep. It's it's deep inside. And if it's hidden in the person out there, it's possible that they're not aware of it and they don't know the condition of their own heart. And how how can someone outside of that person know what's in their heart? Like, I can't know what's in your heart. And it doesn't help for us to be on the hunt. Another thing that leads us to the help that we need is to recognize not only that it's hidden, but that there is an enemy out there an enemy of us all, Satan, who is an accuser and a liar and a thief, and all he comes to do is to steal and to kill and destroy. He comes to steal the joy. He comes to kill the hope. He comes to destroy relationships and robbing us of the comfort and the peace that's been purchased for us. He wants to take away our assurance. He wants to deceive and he hates. And even though it may be uncomfortable or painful to see it, we have to acknowledge that there is that hater within This is part of the help I want to offer us today, acknowledging that it's in there. Be alert to our own tendency to harbor bitterness or enmity or grudge or to hang on to that ancient wound and cover it over with gracious speech. One way to deal with this, although we can't talk about it a whole lot right now, to heal that hidden heart hatred is to forgive. Because likely your hatred has a reason and one way to get rid of that is to forgive. I heard one pastor describe, he's a friend of mine, and, and he described the effects of this kind of forgiveness. He said, forgiveness grants us the freedom that we obtain when we release others from our wrath. You're not holding on to your wrath anymore, so you're lighter. Isn't that a beautiful picture? To forgive actually frees you, right? We think of it as letting that person go without the punishment they deserve. Well, that's what Jesus does for us, amen? Okay, so when we release other people from our wrath, we actually free ourselves. Your hidden hatred doesn't need gracious words from your lips to cover it over. It needs grace all the way down. So we pray, Father, forgive as we forgive our debtors, and as you have been forgiven, you can forgive. Another way to deal with the hidden hate that's in your own heart is not to mask it with gracious words, okay? It's to go to the person. 
to speak directly to them. With kindness, with a gracious spirit, with patience, speak the truth in love, with the goal of reconciliation, not of just venting or getting it off your chest. Proverbs 27.5 helps us with that. It says, better is open rebuke than hidden love. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Go to the person, speak to them, work it out, talk it through. Don't expect it to be plenty fine right away. Take the time, show your love for God. Show how God is gracious to you by reaching out and loving the person with whom you have an issue, okay? That's one of the healing. Another I wanna talk about the hollow pit and the heavy stone, here's verse 27 again. Whoever digs a pit will fall into it and a stone will come back on him who starts it rolling. Whoever digs a pit will fall into it and a stone will come back on him who starts it rolling. This hollow pit metaphor is one of laying a trap, digging a pit that unseen will cause someone to fall into it and harm them, okay? Might be a way to rob someone, okay? Or to take from them something. And this is the flavor of the gracious words, right? It's like covering that pit over with some branches and then they walk on it trusting that it's good and green and fine and then they fall into that trap. And then the gracious words are, you know, a lie. When you walk on this, this gracious thing, you fall into the pit. And then the stone in this passage that starts rolling on someone is likely a boulder that's probably rolled down a hill on an unsuspecting person passing by in order to hurt them, okay? Interesting is that the wisdom isn't to watch out for the pit or the stone. It doesn't say watch out for the pit. It doesn't say watch out for the stone. It says when you dig that pit, you're going to fall into it. When you roll that stone, it's going to come back on you. So it, it talks, talks about the harm that's coming to you, so be aware of the pit and the stone, that even though hatred is covered with deception, it's going to be exposed. Okay? That's one of the helps. Another help is to the heart. God cares about your heart. He commands us to love the Lord with all of our heart, all our soul, all our mind, all our strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. He calls you and me to trust him with all of our heart, it says in Proverbs chapter 3. And God knows that the wickedness that truly resides in each of us is our greatest problem. And yet he speaks words of grace over us to confirm his forgiveness and he confirms our justification. We want that grace to go all the way down, not just to be on our lips alone while it hides that. So be aware of your heart. The help we really need is not spotting the hypocrite out there. It's, it's really spotting it inside, catching ourselves. If I have something that's causing me to think of another person as my enemy or that's burning or churning down there in, as enmity or detesting someone, I can choose to forgive and let it go. Or if I cannot, if the issue is serious, God calls me to go to the person. That's what that proverb is about. Don't let the hatred or enmity or disdain or irritation, especially with a fellow Christian, harbor down in your heart while you glaze it over with that glossy, gracious words, okay? And I think what we need for this is heart surgery. I think we need a form of heart surgery. Before it starts harboring down there, before we start covering it over with nice, gracious, but deceitful words, we need to deal with it inside. Like, like installing one of those... Um, what do they call that, that that gives you a little jolt when your heart's not doing the right thing? Right, a peacemaker. That's what we need. We need a peacemaker installed in our heart to give you a little jolt when it starts going the wrong direction, when it starts beating up on someone. 
Because if that's in there, in the power of the Holy Spirit, it works. It does its job. Battery's not required. The peacemaker gives you that jolt that says, look, this is not good. Don't think you can cover it with gracious words. That heart is the problem. Deal with the hatred now. Forgive. Let it go. The person might be waving their arms in your rearview mirror, but you don't have to hate them. You don't have to do anything to them. You can forgive them. You can pray blessing on them. And then everybody wins, even them. Let's take one more look at the hollow pit and the heavy stone, okay? This is, this is where I want to end. If you dig a pit, like you're trying to trap someone with your words, the warning is you'll be trapped by it, right? And if you set a stone rolling to crush somebody, it's going to come back on you, right? That's the warning. The pit and the stone. The trap that traps the trapper, right? Remember Judas? Judas Jesus was trapped by Judas's words, wasn't he? Judas was hiding that hateful heart and he kissed him with his lips. And then Jesus was crucified for our sins, crushed for our iniquities. Do you remember the pit and the stone? Jesus was laid in a tomb that was cut out for someone and he went into it by his design. They put him in a grave. And then they rolled a heavy stone over that entrance to the tomb to keep him inside. But that stone was not rolled back over them. It was rolled away because Jesus rose from the dead. Even though the religious leaders and the authorities wanted Jesus dead, even though they wanted to get rid of him, they wanted to keep him in the grave, trap him in the pit, thinking that they were doing God's will, Jesus rose from the dead, came out of the tomb, and gives us new life by faith in him alone. Your heart does not need a covering of deceitful words. Your heart does not need to hide the hatred. By faith in Jesus, you have a new heart, a heart of flesh and not a heart of stone. It's not something you can do on your own. It's something that he gives to you by faith in Jesus alone. It's free. It's an internal, eternal peacemaker for your own heart. So remember God's gracious words to you that is not hiding a heart of enmity toward you. God has favor toward you in his heart. And when he speaks gracious words to you, he's not a hypocrite. He loves you. He desires you to be whole. He doesn't want you to be weighed down by anything that looks anything like anything other than Jesus. God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God heals that hidden heart of hatred, giving us a new heart that we would love others as he has loved us. Let's pray. Our holy and gracious God, you have given us a new heart by faith in Jesus. And I pray that that in internal, eternal peacemaker would give us jolts as we need it so that we would not harbor hatred in our heart, that we would not be suspicious of others, that we would be forthright and kind even if we have to speak to a, a, a brother or sister, but not to let hatred dwell in there and fester and, and grow ugly consequences for us. We know it will be exposed anyway. Lord, may we just get rid of it. May we forgive. May we deal with it forthrightly, speaking the truth in love. And as you've spoken these truths to my heart, may I learn even more in the weeks ahead what this means. And I thank you for the trials that, that prove your word is true. 
And may each one here know of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ to solve and heal that hidden heart with grace from above that goes all the way down. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.